Hey, Sid. Hey, Dad. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you for coming to my therapy office. You're so welcome. I'm curious. I went and turned the lights on when I went to the bathroom. Are you I'm, Are you afraid of the dark, honestly? No. I mean, Oh, I'm just curious. Like, there's no judgment there. I was just curious because I turned them on because I thought, what if she's afraid of the dark and she doesn't want to go to the bathroom all by herself or that sort of thing? What? Okay. <laughs> Do you oh. think I don't know how to turn on the lights? Well, no, but it's not that. But I... No, this is actually funny you said that because I literally was just peeing in there and the lights turned off on me. And I was like, <laughs> it was really scary. And okay, apparently... then you are scared of the dark. Apparently, you told me that when I was younger, I was scared. Why am I saying... It's like 30 seconds in. Apparently, I was scared of the sound of the toilet flush oh you were and one time i got too scared and i ran away too fast and i hit the door just okay i was sitting there thinking this is gonna be one of those stories i'm gonna hear that isn't really true like we didn't let you watch i don't know drake and josh or something which you didn't we did we did i think we did but then but then it's funny because i do remember that one because there was a flush and then you just hear you hit the door really hard and i think i can go back and i have pictures where do you know what i'm talking about no, there's and one, I don't want to be in this conversation one, anymore. Can we please move one, along? I don't know. You were like 19. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you were a small child, and there was like a magazine, your shoes, okay. your pants. This like is you, so unnecessary. Okay. Hey, welcome to Murder on the Couch. You can't. My dad's telling false narratives, spreading lies. This is crazy. I think you're gaslighting. <laughs> I'm doing my best. <laughs> you are. Okay. So, anywho, so, how about that case? What do you think we're talking about today, Tony? Well, Sydney, why does that sound so funny when you don't say dad? Continue. Come on. Um, Let's Jody go. Jody Arias. Okay. Part two, which you did a phenomenal job yesterday. I felt like the way that you we talked about her, we talked about him, and now they met. Mm. And I remember. Tony? No. Yes. No. You just no. got pranked. We're actually not talking about Jody today. There is like this breaking crazy case that just wrapped up Are last you night. Yeah. And so I just, I've been following it for the last couple of days okay. and we have to talk about it. Like we're saving Jody for next week. Just cause okay, this is amazing. Yeah. It's, it's wacky. And I, I know nothing. So today we're going to be talking about Danilo Souza Cavalcante and his escape from the Chester County prison. Chester County in Pennsylvania. Okay. So this guy was convicted for first degree murder. Mm. There's another murder that he wasn't convicted for that we're going to get into. This story is kind of insane. I I'm really curious on like what you'll think about the psychology aspect to a lot of this because it really doesn't make sense to me. This guy is pretty twisted. Okay, and I have no idea. Yeah. I still need to deal with the fact that you pranked me. Yeah, I pranked you. Okay. How's it feel? Not good. I don't know why. <laughs> so this case, I'm surprised you haven't heard about it. This case has been all over media, all over TikTok. Sorry, I've been working. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, you lived under a rock. <laughs> okay, come on. But anyways, he escaped from prison on August 31st, 2023. And so he, two weeks ago. Yes. Okay. He did not get caught until last night Whoa. at 1 a.m. And today is September 13th. So he got caught last night and it was just absolute 
chaos the two weeks in between. I it am was, surprised I haven't heard of this. Yes, it was a manhunt. And okay, this is a weird thought for me to just be like having in the shower, but I was just thinking the other day. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like in the olden days, you hear of a lot more like large serial killers where they're sending out messages to the town being like, right. lock your doors, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. And I was just thinking like, that doesn't really happen that much anymore. Well, it was happening in Pennsylvania. Oh. So Hey, do you know, and I, I'm not even trying to be funny, but I think while you were in Egypt this last time, we had that here locally. Somebody, do you, or yeah. were you here? My friends told me about yeah. it. Yeah, so a guy escaped from Sutter Hospital. He was an inmate, and he was on the run for about a day, mm-hmm. and they told everybody to stay in. I mean, that was kind of crazy. And he was on the run for a day. That sent a shock oh, through right. this entire city. Yeah, it did. This guy was on the run for two weeks. That's crazy. Just and like there were so many sightings of him in the tweets. So we're gonna go through all the different sightings of them, how he got caught. But first, I think that we should start with his childhood. Okay. Now, this part, like I said, there just isn't a lot of information out there about him. But a couple days ago, his mom did an interview with New York Times, Mm -hmm. and I used your card and (laughs) bought it. You did? Okay. (laughs) It's a business expense. Yeah. Buy our merchandise, please. So we have this, yeah, we have this interview with his mom and she, she tells about his whole childhood. So it's a pretty reliable source, I would say. Okay. So yeah, let's get into this sick, twisted case. And do we go into how he broke out? Cause I'm fascinated oh, by prison yeah. breaks. I'm so fascinated. There's a by video him. of it. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, that's it. I'm ready. Yeah. Should we start with the jailbreak video actually? If that's okay. Do you want to see that? Yeah, I really do. That'll calm down my amygdala and then I can focus. <laughs> okay. So I'll put this on the screen if you're watching the YouTube version. This was on August 31st, 2023. This man was sentenced to life in prison and he gets out. He American Ninja Warriors his way out okay. of this hoe. Just watch. Okay. He- no way puts his arms on the wall and then his feet on the back wall and like vertically like climbs okay he looks over to see if anybody's looking and just shimmies his way right up the wall oh my gosh okay jake used to do that in our hallway yeah i remember that that. Uh so yeah he literally pulls an american ninja warrior move and just says he crab walks crab walks up the wall up the wall sideways to escape prison he looks like a video game character he does yeah he crawls his way up the wall and then there's still like this razor sharp wire he just busts through it and gets out i guess apparently the tower guard Mm -hmm. for that shift i think he was like a young guy and he got fired Oh, man. Can you imagine? I mean, I guess I don't even know what happens, but had this guy gone on the run and killed more people and that guard was just, uh, what, playing Pokemon Go or something and doesn't see him? Yeah. Man. And imagine, like, that conversation. Your friend asks, oh, you got fired. Like, what happened? Oh, just let out a killer. Oh, wow. Like, that's a rough one. And I've been fired for some weird... I got fired from DoorDash. You didn't even know that could happen. I, I didn't either, quite frankly. <laughs> How did that happen? I don't know. Um, they couldn't see me eating the food. How did they know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and okay, sorry, this is a correction. The tower guard wasn't 18 years old. He was an 18-year veteran oh, of the prison. Okay. So he's been in this job for a while. Yeah, so a little maybe, too maybe not, not Pokemon Go. Maybe we're talking a little Clash of Clans or something. Uh, probably like a Scrabble. <laughs> okay, that's a good call. Or a, a Sudoku. Sudoku. Okay. Candy Crush. 
Okay. <laughs> I did go through a Candy Crush phase. So now let's bounce back to his childhood, or at least what we know of it. So pretty much all of this is from the interview with his mom. Okay. He was born July 3rd, 1989 in Maranhão, Brazil. According to his mom, him and his family grew up pretty poor. They worked really, really hard just to live. She said that he learned a lot about life just waiting to see if there would be a meal on the table. Wow. She says that he never went to school and he started working in Brazil when he was just five years old. So his first job was shining shoes. At five. Five years old. Imagine a little five-year-old. Do you know Ali's son, Given? Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's five. That's so crazy. It really is, right? I have no concept for age. I would have told you that child was like three, right? two. But five, it's I can't imagine him out on the streets shining shoes. Yeah, it's really sad. And he couldn't even get an education. So he's shining shoes, and then he moves on to selling vegetables at the market. And then by the time he's only seven... He's on his third job, and he works in the fields farming for another farmer. So, yeah. Okay. Right well, off the bat. Your, when was your first job? Starbucks when I was 16. Okay. Like two times, three times the age of this little guy. It's ridiculous. Mm. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was terrible at that job. <laughs> terrible. Did you know that I quit Starbucks, and I still didn't know how many like shots of syrup went into a medium? I don't even know how I made Did it through. Did you just... just throw stuff together you just, just feel the feel okay. the energy yeah, yeah. that's funny <laughs> okay he's had three jobs by the time he was seven i wasn't even cognitive at the age of seven growing up was really hard for him and his mom believes that these like kind of survival skills he learned just surviving yeah. and living she thinks that those are what really helped him evading the police for so oh, long i can see that yeah because he was basically just hiding in the woods for two weeks like like he was on Survivor. Wow. Again, I don't know anything about this case yet, really, other than it is difficult when you start to hear somebody's background, their childhood. And I know maybe it's a therapist in me or maybe it's a human in somebody, but I'm not saying that excuses behavior. But it does start to just make you think, man, that's a, that's a different life. Yeah, she talks about how they would move city to city, like all of his childhood because his dad was looking for work so that is true if you think about it you know he never got an education he never had a stable friend group or like he's probably socially stunted yeah. educationally stunted just survival that's really it yeah so it does not excuse no it doesn't anything and i almost don't even like like the sympathy in my voice yeah. because what he does is so sick but it's interesting to see where these people came from. Mm -hmm. His mom said that they lived mostly in the rural backlands of the Brazilian savanna. Isn't the savanna the, is that the desert? I'm thinking like elephants and- Right, same. Sounds kind of like a hardcore place to grow up in. Yeah. But, oh, it looks tropical pretty on savanna, Google Images. Yeah, a vast tropical savanna. Click on images. Images. <laughs> Why oh, are there boobs okay. on your computer right now? Uh, what is that? Oh, Brazilian butt lift. And Savannah, and Savannah plastic surgery. I was thinking, how does, there's got to be a reason, right? Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh there's, there's a, a bear. There are okay, cheeks. Someone is there? cheeked up on the screen right now. They don't have, like, child stuff on. <laughs> Why are you Oh, still... there's more butts. Oh, see, the BBL did work, Okay, though. hey. She looks great there. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> that's really funny. Wow. That's the first time we've gazed into a butthole together. <laughs> is it? I think it is. What do you mean, is I'm it? I'm thinking of like a dog or something walking <laughs> around, wagging his tail. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, was, I have so many less answers than I had before and more questions. <laughs>
So in 2014, the family moves to a small town called Figuropolis, and they decide to stay here for a few years. So Danello gets a job as a manager on a cattle ranch, and his mom and dad buy a plot of land right next door where they raise their own cattle and horses and okay, stuff. Okay, and I was just doing the math. 2014, at first I was thinking he's now 15, but he's actually 25 or 26. 25 or 26. Yeah, and okay. I'm glad you say that because for what he's about to do, that just proves he has no excuse. Okay, he should know better or whatever is about to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. At 25, you would think that, yeah, yeah. to be fair though, most of the 25-year-olds I've talked to have not been mature in any way. True statement. Haven't killed anyone yet though. Not that you're aware of. Not that I'm aware of. Okay. In 2017, Danello meets a man named Walter Jr. Moriera Dos Rios. Now, this story is all alleged, okay? Mm. So, Danello, you better not try to shimmy up another wall and come get me because this is alleged, okay? I don't think he was charged for this. Okay. But his own mother confirms it. Oh, boy. So, okay. he meets this man, Walter. Walter's car's broke. He needs a car repair. So Danello fixes his car for him. Mm -hmm. And when he goes to collect his debts, Walter won't give him the money for some reason. Uh -oh. And of course, we don't know details of the altercation, but it is said that he then shot and killed Walter in a public square in Brazil right in 2017. In okay. Yes. For not giving him his money. And this is one of the areas I was curious what you would think. Yeah. Because what is the psychology of killing someone who owes you money? Yeah. Then they I, can't give you the money. I mean, yeah, that's a good point. But if we work in the world of emotional immaturity, narcissism, those kind of things, then it's just an, an immediate, it's like black or white, all or nothing. If you don't pay me, now I'm angry and I got to get rid of that discomfort. How do I do it? I'm going to kill this person. So it's not like he's thinking through that he's not going to get the money. I mean, that's just a theory and that impulse control or just the way we all deal with our own discomfort. You, as a self-aware person, can be frustrated and you can sit with some discomfort and not need to get rid of it by doing something impulsive. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like Danello is very impulsive. So do you think when he's making the choice to like kill him in that scenario, is there just no future thought at all? Yeah, I don't think so at all. So there's a theory. Okay, this is kind of good stuff. So there's a theory that the neurons that fire together wire together. And so over time, if he has been conditioned to always... Uh, be on guard then his cortisol or his stress hormone is just always right on the verge of just going into that fight or flight response. And so that's the thing where the more that you meditate, the more safe you feel, the more you've grown up and you've had food and shelter and water, your startle response or your cortisol level is low. So it takes a little bit to get you worked up. But if you have been in a constant state of survival since the time you're little, then those neurons that, that fire together, wire together. So it's like he has this much room before he's going to lose it. So if all of a sudden, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. It is because I, what's fascinating is I'll go through periods where I don't get a lot of sleep and Siri just went off on my iPad and it will happen on my watch and I'll kind of lose my mind really quickly and it's just my watch doing that. Mm -hmm. So I had a doctor client at one point and he was telling me that if you don't get sleep, you don't reset all of those stress hormones, your cortisol levels. So your startle response is like right on the edge of going into fight or flight mode. So something happens and all of a sudden I don't just go, oh man, that's funny. I go immediately to, oh, you know, so imagine if he's had a life of that because we already identified since the time he's five, he's in survival. Mode. Okay, I'm really interested by the cortisol thing still. So most murderers or people who cause crime, is that why when we look into their childhood, a lot of the times trauma. they have trauma and stuff? So what you're saying is like where a normal person who has a good childhood, good life, their cortisol levels are low. Their baseline cortisol is low. So it might take them a little bit to get frustrated or worked up. If they get in a, like, if they're worked up in a situation, their cortisol levels just rise a little bit, right? So then yeah. they're still chill. Yeah. But then someone for, with trauma, the same 
situation yeah. could happen They'll to lose them. It. Yeah. But since they're they overflow and then that's yeah. what causes Yeah, I mean that's a, and so there's a it's called the amygdala hijack, right? The amygdala in your brain is the part that is uh, your fight or flight response. And I have to tell you I've been fortunate enough to to sit in on some brain scan sessions with clients and you can watch somebody if they inject this functional dye into your brain and then you get their heart rate elevated that the more your heart rate elevates the more cortisol you produce which is that stress hormone and you can almost watch like this prefrontal cortex it's like light switches turn off and that's where you have your logic and reason part of the brain and then the back is this uh, fight or flight response so the higher your heart rate elevates the more cortisol you produce the more your brain starts shutting down the logical part and it goes right into that amygdala or that fight or flight response so then at some point you get an amygdala hijack and it's almost like the prefrontal cortex just shuts down and you have no access to logical thought so instead of that like well i'm not going to get my money that part's gone Mm -hmm. you know so at that part then you just you just react all it's all yeah and it's so fast yeah so the amygdala because i've had people ask okay what do i do when i get into that state of the amygdala hijack nothing because you can't access your prefrontal cortex your logical brain and then when it, when you're done then it's almost like okay now i feel this sense of relief and then whew, now i come back to reality and it's like oh what did i just what do? did you just for do? real right and then that's not somebody and if you're in that state you're not somebody who has been modeled taking ownership and accountability of things growing up so you probably you're gone why does that happen though wouldn't you think that our brain would turn up the logic in a life or death situation like why is it that that turns nah, off it's, it's because we're just wired for survival and so let's say that you turn a corner and there's a grizzly bear you don't want to all of a sudden super calm and go hey grizzly bear what's happening you know i know you've had a rough life but let me just give you a little scratch no you're like oh crap you're running you know so it's just a fight or flight response okay yeah, yeah. so what's crazy is when in you know as a mental health guy you're constantly trying to get people to practice have a mindfulness practice meditate because that is a practice of you know letting my thoughts go letting my heart rate elevate and then coming back to the present and the whole breathing when everybody's like just breathe girl you know you're breathing in through your nose out through your mouth and all that's doing is lowering your heart rate so lowering your cortisol you so you can avoid... access your your prefrontal cortex and be okay. present in the moment and then if you do the practice enough then and when your heart rate starts to elevate your brain, because it likes patterns, so then it's already going to say, oh, this dude's going to start breathing. So it starts breathing for you. So you almost kind of can't get angry, which is one of those funny things where I don't know. I, I know maybe you haven't seen me you know, get mad a lot, but it's like you're, oh, I'm noticing that that person is cutting in front of me, you know, or I'm noticing that my daughter is getting angry. So you're almost able to like relax before you react. Yeah. yeah and you're not even aware of it because your brain, cool. your thoughts, your emotions travel faster than logic. It's like a cool thing where that's that part where if we go walk outside and we see the stick on the side of the road and we just like, see it out of the, our peripheral vision, our first thought is like we recoil. It's like, oh my gosh, is that a snake? And then it's like, oh, it's a stick. Like if you think about that, that's nuts, right? Mm-hmm. So your emotions go fast. Your emotions travel into your brain and say, is it safe? And if we go, okay, it's safe. Then it's like, what do I do with it? Well, I ignore it or I walk by it. But if it goes, oh, that's a snake, then I'm not safe. And then I bolt, then I run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of okay. crazy. I know as we're talking it through, it's like, this almost makes more sense because you know all of a sudden this guy won't pay him and he's just, his startle response is so close to the amygdala hijack and he mm-hmm. just goes, boom, no logic, impulse and then done it seems like it wasn't this specific situation yeah it was just kind of bound to happen at some point yeah. something was going to bring him over the edge yeah and that's why you start looking at childhood i, I just I, I had a client recently that gotten a lot of trouble and then when you went back and looked at the childhood physical abuse sexual abuse emotional abuse uh, neglect then early access to like pornography and then sexual compulsion and all that stuff and so by the time they're you know in their 20s just what it feels like to be them is just continually acting impulsively 
and, and that sort of thing. And he was 26. So like you said, your brain likes patterns. Like he yeah. had a very hardwired yeah. pattern at this point. And you have to actively and intentionally then do work to like overcome that. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes me sad about situations like this. Cause it's like, there's just no chance in hell that Danello could have like gotten therapy, you know, yeah. like in this tiny town where he is just like fighting to get a meal on the table. So it's just stuff like that is really upsetting. Mm -hmm. And it makes me grateful that like mental health is becoming more normalized. Yeah, for real. So Walter is dead. After killing Walter, Danello just flees the crime scene, just runs away, hides out for a few weeks, and then runs off to the United States. At this point, it's January 2018, and he's starting his new life in America, I guess. Almost 30. 29. Okay. His mom said that he went there to work to change his life to get somewhere, but I think it's pretty clear that he was just going there to run away from murder. Yeah. She said he felt at home, except he didn't know what was waiting for him there, which is a very interesting statement to say, because I think that the victim, Deborah, didn't know what was waiting. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. this is just kind of interesting. The, the interview with his mom's really sad, because you can tell how much she wants to, like, say he's a good person, but it is so obvious he's not. I mean, he's on the run for murder. So, Danello's living in Chester County, Pennsylvania, when he meets Deborah Brandeo, because they were neighbors, and they immediately got along really well because Deborah was also from Brazil. So I tried to find information on Deborah, but I couldn't really find that much. It seems like her life was pretty private, but we do know that she was also born in Brazil and she had her children there at this time in the story or today. Her children are seven and four years old and she brought them from Brazil to the United States for a better life. So she seems like a really good person. We know most things about this relationship from the trial and Sarah, Deborah's sister. She says they dated for about a year and a half. He seemed normal. He was nice to her. He was nice to her children. He helped her and he kept her company. She didn't feel alone anymore. And that's from the sister? Yes, this is at the beginning of their relationship. Oh, okay, okay. He seemed normal, but he was always very silent, observant, and reserved, she added. Mm. Little creepy in retrospect. Yeah. He treated Deborah's two children well, but there wasn't much attachment to them. No love, no hug, nothing. Very cold, Sarah said. I, mean, I think that's attachment disorder 101 if he didn't really have much of an attachment to his parents growing up. It seems like he on paper was caring for them, but Sarah could tell that there was something off about it. You know, sometimes I say that the lack of bad in a relationship doesn't mean it's good. But when people grow up and they don't see their parents really connected or they don't have a real strong connection with their parents, then they say, no, it was good, meaning it wasn't bad. Mm -hmm. But it's not like there's a connection there. Yeah. And if, if that's all you've ever seen growing up, then that's probably that good, good to you, yeah. which is sad. It is. Sarah says that his behavior toward Deborah changed over time. She kept saying that he was extremely jealous. When he drank, he became a different person. He kept going through her cell phone, red flag after red flag. Yeah. She says that he would threaten Deborah. Deborah, telling her he would do the worst to her if mm. she ever cheated. So yeah, their relationship was just very, very toxic. Apparently, she filed a protection for abuse order against him. Do you know what that is? Yeah, I mean, it's almost like a restraining order. And so he would imagine have to stay a certain distance away, which you don't just file those just for the heck of it. She filed one, but did they not accept it or something? No, is well, that what it's saying if it didn't go through? Because that's messed she up. She filed a protection from abuse order against him the year prior, according to a probable cause affidavit. That's really interesting that I don't know because they 
filed it, but it doesn't say she was granted a protection from abuse order. Well, knowing how a lot of times those cases are handled, there's a big chance that they just looked at her and were like, well, did he hurt you? Did you he break in? Crazy. He... I've worked with a fair amount of people that have had to file restraining orders, and I'm convinced that they typically side on behalf of the woman and they grant it. And I just had a situation where it wasn't granted and it, I don't understand it at all. And I feel so bad because I was helping the woman and saying, no, they, I mean, they kind of default to that. And she had a lot of good reasons why. And then it's so sad and it puts a person in terror. I don't understand how that situation ever even happens. If someone says that they don't want to be near another person, why do there have to be 50 pages of evidence as to why? Yeah. Like, if you don't feel safe around someone, that should be so much easier to get that. I know like, there are laws that are starting to change about that, of like coercive control and things like that. But I think that's just one of those things where the more that we bring awareness to emotional abuse and yeah, we're, we're a little bit behind the times, I think, in the way that's handled. Oh, and I think this is important. It says the protection order that she filed he repeatedly was violating it so so i mean that's a bummer bummer it's the wrong word that, that's a tragedy because when somebody violates the protective order they should be taken into custody yeah and it should be taken seriously at that point mm -hmm. but it wasn't unfortunately so hernandez one of deborah's friends she also did an interview and she describes an incident where apparently Danello bit Deborah's lip so hard that it was bleeding profusely. Jeez. Which, like, if your friends know about that, like, just so weird. And then it was after this, Deborah actually learned about the alleged killing in Brazil. Oh, boy. Okay. So she finds out that this guy she's been dating for a year and a half supposedly murdered someone in Brazil and that's why he's here. He's been around the kids for a long time. Yeah. Imagine what loop you're thrown for because she meets him and she's like, oh, we have a connection. You're from Brazil. Like mm. we get each other. Like, no, he was running from Brazil because he just disrespected the yeah. absolute ish out of your country. <sighs> Don't want to get demonetized. So she confronts him about the killing okay. and she tells him, if you don't leave me alone, I'm going to tell the police what you did. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's the thing. I doubt he said, okay, no problem. Probably enraged him, I would imagine. I think it was another situation like in Brazil where it just boiled over. Yeah. So he is not okay with this. He doesn't take the threat lightly. And instead of just leaving her alone, just leave her alone, dude. He goes to her house on April 18th and it's it's absolutely horrific what he does with that unfortunately let's move on to the story of murder number two by Danilo that sounded like a weird book I did not mean it to go over like that so this tragic tragic night on April 18th 2021 Danilo Cavalcante shows up at Deborah's home in Schuylkill Township, Pennsylvania, where she lived with her children and her other family members. He confronts her outside of the house where she is standing with her two children, the seven-year-old and the four-year-old. Oh. oh, and okay, sorry, this is a correction. This all happened in broad they, daylight. In of the kids. He just starts berating her, just starts screaming at her, arguing with her. He grabs her by the hair in front of her two children and pulls her to the ground gets on top of her and repeatedly stabs her 38 times in the chest, stomach, oh shoulders, okay. mouth, and throat with two kitchen knives. Kitchen knives 
in front of her children. So, so that now I go back to when you were saying earlier when we were being very empathetic. And yeah, it's like Gone. I don't. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and now look at the alleged murder of Walter in a town square. Who cares that anybody's around? And now you've got two kids watching. Two kids Aww. that you supposedly hugged and loved and held in your own arms. Right. And were supposed to protect. Okay. They were dating for over a year. Like, yeah. Those kids at that point probably saw him as a father figure. Yeah, sure. I cannot um, even begin to imagine like the trauma. Oh, no. The trauma, dude. And this little girl had to testify in court. Did she really? She's the witness, you know? Oh. It's really sad. One thing that Hernandez says is she tried to use that information to protect herself more than anything. She was just trying to tell him, don't do anything to me because otherwise I'm going to go to the police. He only used that against her to the point where the day he murdered her, he said, if you rat on me, I'm going to kill you. And he did. Oh, again, and I appreciate what you said where you're saying, why couldn't he just leave her alone? But we're back into that world of narcissism, emotional maturity. And if she was threatening him, which I understand why she did. But at that point, he's not just going to walk away. It's like, okay, now she has this information, so he needs to get rid of that person that has the information. So that, that's... He's just an idiot. Yeah. This isn't a video game. You can't just kill people and they just disappear and nothing happens. Yeah. And the problem just goes away. He's just creating so many more problems. How did you not learn the first time, dude, when you had to come to America? Like, where are you going to go now? Canada doesn't want you. They're too nice there. I mean, but he got away. That's what's crazy, though. He got away with the first one. So then in, in his mind, then it's like, well, I just will get away with it again. That's a good point. Yeah. It probably gave him a very big confidence boost. I think so. Which, again, shows how much of a creep you are. Yeah. Authorities believe that after he killed her, he tried to go back to Brazil. A different article I read said that they think he was trying to go to Mexico. But they captured him, thank God in Virginia, running away. Police arrived at the murder scene at 4.15 p.m. that day, which means that this all happened in broad Middle of the day, daylight. front of the kids, I'm sure there are other people around too. When they arrived, they found Deborah outside and it was just, the scene was absolutely terrible. They said she was covered in blood and just lifeless at that point. There was no pulse or anything. The seven and the four-year-olds were the ones that had to go get help from the oh, neighbors. gosh. Yeah, he was arrested several hours later. So he's caught and immediately this is taken to court. And like I said, this little girl had to give her statement on stage, which I just can't even imagine how sad, how re-traumatizing that is for yeah, her personally, for how just horrible that was for everyone in the courtroom seeing this poor little girl. It says she was wearing a little lavender sweater and her ponytail mm. and she had to be reminded several times to answer verbally instead of just like shaking her head like oh. this is a little it really is. girl yeah. who just watched her mom die in front of her. They said that although she couldn't remember all the details from the day, as soon as they asked what Danello had done to her mother, she just says, I saw him stab her. So I guess the jury was debating whether it would be first degree murder or like a lesser degree of that based on whether it was premeditated or not. Oh, I always wonder about this stuff because if it was impulsive, then they'd not get them for first degree murder or that's the theory. Yeah, I think it could be less, which okay. I know. Mean, it's interesting. One of the attorneys told the panel that Danello had been cutting meat with the knife he used in the stabbing and had taken it when he left his apartment, telling a friend, I'll be right back. So I, I think that would... Premeditated. Premeditation. Yeah, I think so. Why are you cutting meat with a butter knife? Is it a butter knife? Yeah, it was a butter knife. 
How did he stab her with a butter knife? Two butter knives. Are you serious? Yes. Jeez. That's even worse. I don't understand. I, I don't. And like, okay, this is a sick and twisted conversation to have, right? Okay. But why didn't he like pick a bigger knife? knife? I, know, I, I, if, I know. You could get into the details of did he want it to hurt? Yeah. Right. And I don't know, but yeah. I wonder if he was like sick enough that he wanted the kids to watch it. Because it just seems like oh. you could get her in a situation without the children there. Well, then now we're starting to get into the world of you know psychopath, where now it's like that sadism streak is there as well. So you actually kind of get your thrill off of watching the suffering. So not even just the suffering of the person, but it could be the kids as well. Wow. I that's mean, and again, sick. that's like we're into psychopath territory there. So... After they went back and forth in the courtroom for a while, I guess when it actually came to the deliberation, uh -huh. it only took 15 seconds. Oh, wow. Yeah. And okay. They him. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's about the fastest I've ever heard of. For first degree murder. Okay. So he was put into jail and life in prison. Okay. Everything seemed like a happy ending. You know, normally this is where our story would end. Yeah. But no, this is when he escapes. So Danello spends two years in jail before he plans his whole escape thing. I mean, he kind of looks around and then he just crab walks up, breaks through a razor wire. Do you think it was planned? It had to have been planned at least a little bit, right? Or was it just impulsive? Because he's already I mean, proven that he's super impulsive. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, one side note. Yeah. I, I was trying to think, because it seems like kind of an easy way to escape almost, right? Like, I mean, I'm surprised we've never heard about anything like that how before. How did nobody else shimmy up that wall? And my only answer is is that it's because, and I don't know how I haven't mentioned this yet, but I'm taller than him. Oh, <laughs> and you're what, 6'2"? Six 6'3". Six <laughs> okay. Don't get it twisted. No, I'm 5'3", and this guy is Wait, literally... Wait, are you really 5'3"? Yes. Okay. What, you're you 5'3", too? No, I'm like 6'1". <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy is literally 5' foot nothing, so I'm wondering if... And this isn't hate to short men because this is actually a compliment to short men. Maybe that's how he escaped is because he was so little. He could just fit in the wall. I see I'm what you're thinking, saying. I mean, because when you watch the video, he's the perfect size. Yeah. Right? It's, it's like a little glove in there. Gosh. But I also think when we're saying how has nobody else tried this, I mean, I don't even know what that would feel like. Everything we're seeing says he broke through razor wire. And razor wire seems very intimidating. Not to mention crab walking up. I don't even know how many feet that was. But then to get the razor wire? Mm -hmm. I, I'm, no, thank you. I feel like there's a lot of psychology that goes behind that. Because we have no perception at yeah. all of what happens to your mind when they lock you up and say you are never oh, coming Sid. out. That's like, that makes you insane. And on top of that, the people that are getting locked up forever already have issues. So I've worked with a handful of clients that have gone to prison and I had one recently and he was arrested. He went in for a few days, got bailed out, but then it was a mistake. So they had to put him back in and it, it kind of wrecked me. I mean, look at me making it about me, but just the fact that he was in there, he talked about what that was like and that feeling of hopelessness. And this is going to be the routine every single day. Then he was out and then he's back in and he's going to be in for a while and I can't I can't imagine and I'm mm -hmm. not going in there you know yeah and like I'd imagine being in there at all is obviously awful like the jail system is terrible but going in there and just knowing that this is the rest of your life I can't imagine like can't, I don't even know what to think about that gotta create crazies yeah for real so he shimmies up the wall busts through the razor wire somehow jumps like off the roof and just starts walking down the streets this is august 31st by the way okay. 2023 
and apparently it took the guards an hour to even notice that he was gone. He didn't show up oh. to rec, recreation time, and they're like, where is he? Oh, okay, Sid, look at this. Sorry, I'm, I'm stealing your thunder. A similar escape effort at the prison was foiled earlier this year when that individual was spotted by guards. So, so we saw it happen before. Yeah. He's the second inmate to escape the prison this year, officials say. What's his name? I want to um, know how tall the other guy is. Oh, right. And it says the previous escape occurred on the morning of Friday, May 19th. That is crazy. Okay, Pennsylvania, lock it up. <laughs> the previous escape occurred on the morning of Friday, May 19th at the Chester County Prison. A corrections officer said he was assigned to supervise the exercise yard of the prison. The officer said inmates began arguing while playing basketball. The argument distracted the officer. When the officer looked back at an orange object at the roof line, as well as an inmate later identified as 30-year-old Igor Bolte running west on the roof of the prison toward the main entrance. Officers captured Bolte in a residential neighborhood half a mile away from the prison. His clothing was wet. So did he get through the razor wire? He must have, or maybe they added it after him. I know, right? Oh, so look at this. He was soaking wet. He told corrections officers he had jumped into a swimming pool during his escape. Why? I mean, if you're out there, he must have a swim. He's like, ooh, I haven't seen oh, a pool in a while. Oh, and that guy was allegedly an experienced rock climber. Okay, so that makes sense why he got up the wall. Wow. That's cra that is mind-blowing that somebody else had tried it. Yeah, the same way too. Oh, yep. Yeah. Okay. Legs on one wall and arms on the other, just like Danello did. Wow. So he saw it. Now let's get into the sightings. These are so creepy, okay? okay. So it's September 1st, the next day, 11.30 p.m. So it's late at night. Ryan Drummond said that him and his family were getting ready for bed when he hears a sound downstairs. He's suspicious. He's like, who is that? We're all in our beds. So he goes downstairs and notice that the front door is slightly open. Oh, man. Creepy. He said that's when his stomach dropped. So what he does, he turns the light on and off to try to like alert the intruder that he's watching yeah. him. Which is smart. Yeah. Because I'd probably just start crying and pooping. Okay. He said that after a little bit of a pause, the intruder just turns the light back on. Oh, no. What would you do? Poop again? Poop more. Man. That is creepy, that dude. That is. That's like from a horror movie. So, yeah, he's like, you're like, watching oh, me? I got you. Oh, yeah. you want to see what I look like? So after Danello does not care that mm. he's being watched, Drummond freaks out, tells his wife to call 911, and... He just watches Danello walk methodically out of the kitchen and into his living room and just out of the house. Okay, I do not know him. I am not allowed to make diagnoses, uh, people that I've never worked with, but eh, we're getting that psychopathy vibe you a little think? bit more. Yeah. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Well, I mean, that part that brings in the psychopath angle is that sadism or getting a thrill off of seeing others Fear. Fear, yeah. Maybe he was trying to steal supplies from the house, but why are you just walking out like you belong there? Yeah. Why aren't you freaking out? This guy unsettles me a oh, lot. Yeah. So the next day, September 2nd, it's 12.30 a.m. And this time, Danello is spotted on a surveillance camera about 1.5 miles from the prison. At this point, they are sending so many police officers to Not search bad. for him. Like, by the end of this search, they had over 500 police officers, like, basically 24-7 wow. searching for him. They were using every method. They had canine dogs. They had, like, thermal heating rays. Oh, yeah. They were using 
everything. They were blasting this audio recording from their vehicles and from all the helicopters and everything that was Danello's mom in her native language, Portuguese, urging her son to turn himself in. Well, I've never heard of that before. That really interested me. It's mm -hmm. kind of like a psychological it approach, is. right? Yeah, yeah. Trying to plead to maybe his mom can talk some sense into him. I know that we can't put ourselves in that situation, but let's say that you're on the run. Could you hear, like, if your mom's like, Sid, come on. What do you think that would be? You'd be like, oh my gosh, mom. <laughs> it's like, wait, is that actually my mom? Right. Mom, wait, why are you here? Mom? <laughs> no, um, I think it's a very interesting psychological yeah, really approach, is. but I think that in the case of this man's right. psychology, right. it's For not going to work. No. September 3rd, he makes it through without any sightings. September 4th, they sight him at the Botanical Gardens. Like taking in a, the scenery or, or on a field trip with the local homeschool kids or what, what are we doing? <laughs> just having a nice day in the garden, I guess. I mean, okay. just, you know. No, the camera captured him twice, once walking north and then about an hour later going south. So I don't even know if he knows where he's going. Yeah, that's a good point. At this point, he had stolen a backpack a duffel sling bag he had somehow and he had a hooded sweatshirt okay that comes into play later from some of the stuff that i just googled oh really yeah, he stole the sweatshirt from somebody yeah when they capture him i love it the pennsylvania governor josh shapiro said hey person who got your sweatshirt stolen we'll hook you up wow they did one thing no just kidding <laughs> september 5th sighting this is the next night danello is spotted by a resident in a creek bed on the resident's property a few miles from the prison. So he's still in the area and they've got all these people out looking for him. And again, I've never been in a manhunt search or anything, but that is, it's just interesting. It's so interesting. And what he's playing at the garden, he's swimming in the creek beds, he's walking into people's houses and yeah. just like this guy is so strange. You'd think that he would just run and take I off would, running. I mean, again, I hope I'm never in a position where I've escaped prison and I'm on the run, but I would imagine I would want to get so far away. Yeah, like you hop on the back of a train, right? And just see where it takes yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. But this, he's just wandering around town, visiting all the neighbors. Hey, there was one time, and, and you guys were little, and I will never forget this, the train cars are passing, and then there's just a, it looks like a friendly old guy, and he's on the train, and I literally say to you guys, hey guys, look, look at that guy riding on the train. And we look over and he just does this. <laughs> he flips you off. And I was like, come on. I'm trying to have a moment with the kids. And he just sat there. And, and I was so frustrated and angry. And then you guys were just looking. And I was like, oh, hey, look over here, guys. And he's just sitting there like this. That's so it funny. so bad. Wow. I just flipped off. I, I haven't done that in a while. Yeah, what was Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, bro. So he's swimming in the creek. Why is he in the creek? I saw a little bit of data that says that he was like burying his fecal matter. Oh, you think he was taking a taking a poo in the woods? Yeah, the, and then he the needed to bed? wash it off a little bit. A bidet, a little bidet moment yeah. by the running water. I still just can't get over this. He's being spotted every day, yeah. but no one can get him. And he's right outside of the prison. Mm. It's like he wants to go back. September 6th there's another sighting on a trail camera. So now Danello has ran into the woods, okay? He's living his Georgia the Jungle survivor life. Do okay? I also saw what he made, he ate all the time, which what? actually would lead to needing to hide more fecal matter and running into the creek. Oh. Mm -hmm. He lived on a diet of watermelon. He was pooping water. Yep. <laughs> what, what? I don't know. It just matter. like it's just funny that we know that for a fact. Like, I, know, I do think that's like, through yeah. all of this. He was just he was just taking liquid shits, and I hope it was really uncomfortable oh, for him. Makes me happy. Anyways, Friday, September eighth, 
There are two sightings on this day. Oh, wow. Apparently, this was in the Longwood Gardens. All right, now this is day nine, September 9th. He has been out for over a week, and he's only made it three quarters of a mile away from the prison. So like, crazy. He's just wandering around the area, okay? But at this point, the manhunt gets a little harder because Danello steals a delivery van from a local dairy farm. Apparently, they just left their keys inside on accident, and he hopped in and used it to get 20 miles away from them. It is strange that, like, did they have the word out, all points, bulletin, manhunt, everybody stay in? Yes, and it just, like, kept amping up more and more every day. They were, like, playing recordings into the streets, like, oh, okay. lock your doors. Oh, okay, like, yeah. Someone has, It was a very serious thing. Okay. And to add to that, I can't imagine how much more scared everyone was when it came out that the first sighting of him was just him standing in the kitchen For real. and leaving. I'd be terrified. I would be terrified. I wouldn't even want to be in Pennsylvania. I would like, I don't know, I'd be living underground. Yeah. Like that would really freak me out. He takes this truck and goes about 20 miles north to East Pikeland Township. And this is where authorities catch him on a ring camera. He went to one of his old, I, it was either an acquaintance or I, I swear I saw it was a coworker. Mm. And he tries to speak with them through the camera. The person that he was trying to contact wasn't home. So they reported it to police. They didn't respond to him. In this footage, they were able to see that he had a new clean shaven look. So after the first guy wouldn't respond to him, he went to another acquaintance's house and that person was also not home. But they called the police later and let them know that he had visited their house. Not a smart move, right? He must have just been desperate at this point. I guess he thought that these friends would cover yeah. for him but they both just went straight to the police which yeah, thank goodness thank god yeah i would hope in general that anyone who received this information would bring it to the police but i do think that it also shows Danella wasn't capable of having like those ride or die like these oh, friends weren't yeah. going to cover for him well, i would imagine there were no ride or dies no the second they saw him there they were like okay police we do not want to be involved i think that he shaved from a razor that he found in the backpack he stole and he stole that hoodie just trying to hide his identity but you're five feet tall. We know. We know. We know. The police didn't learn about the whole like dairy farm thing until the next day. They saw sightings of the van and narrowed it down to the dairy farm. They later located the stolen van in a field around 10.40 a.m. abandoned behind a bar in East Nantmeal Township. They said it had run out of gas, so he just ditched it and ran off. I, I still don't understand why people run out of gas. I literally almost ran out of gas I, on the I way know, here, I'm and you totally, know that. I do. I'm kidding. You've done well. You ran out of gas in weeks, right? <laughs> now, Monday, September 11th, it gets scary because Danello steals a rifle. I swear that's two days ago, Sid. Two days ago. It was around 8 p.m. on a Monday when some guy on a motorcycle told the police that he saw a guy crouched in the wood line on Fairview Road Tuesday morning. She went back to check if he was still there and I guess he had left already. So the authorities surround the area and I guess they found footprints identical to the ones on the shoes that Danello was wearing. And it was actually reported that he stole these boots as well. And we have an interview with that guy, we'll get into that in a second. But this same day, the police receive a call from a resident in Coventry Road, and they report that a short Hispanic man who was not wearing a shirt had entered his garage while the resident was inside and stole a .22 caliber rifle. Oh, yikes. 
the resident drew a pistol and fired at the man as he fled. Really? Wow. Vigilante justice almost. He had two guns. Cavalcante's sweatshirt was found near the edge of the driveway. Zanella was always considered dangerous. Now he is armed and dangerous. Oh, terrifying. When this hit public, I'm mm -hmm. sure I can't imagine how... Yeah, scared now he has a weapon. Were. Yeah, because yeah, that's at least one thing that you can rest assured of is if he got out of jail, he can't just walk in and buy a gun. You no, know, right? So this just sent a panic because everyone already knows that he's killed two people before um, with a butter knife. Like, there's no telling what this guy's gonna do when confronted. All right, September twelfth, we are wrapping it up. Mm. Two girls are just listening to music driving their jeep down the road when they see out their window a mysterious guy just like standing in the fields mm -hmm. just being super sus so knowing everything that's going on and probably seeing that he was five feet tall they called and I, I need to stop doing that if you're short that's so good for you the last guy i fell in love with who ghosted me was short so like i i have a reason to say okay. that's true the two girls driving the jeep call 911 and police immediately come to investigate jim varnez was living in a little house across the street and he said that he saw the police lights and was super freaked out the police go to interview him and that's when he says that his wife noticed a pair of his grass cutting boots missing from the back porch uh -oh. in their place a dirty pair of prison shoes oh so at least he's doing an exchange that's true it's very kind of him. He puts these boots on, runs away, and he's only <laughs> he's only a size six. So there's no way these work boots fit him. So I'm just because oh. this Jim Varnas is a big guy. Is he? So I'm just okay. imagining. Oh, he's running there with those big old boots on. He's running. He's just like clonk, 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 like a little kid. Like he's about to trip. Man. At this point, the search is just it's it's insane police are checking vehicles one by one he has a rifle the rifle has a scope and a flashlight wow. this is this is scary and yeah. i guess he had dropped his backpack so they found the backpack and he dropped the sweater when he was stealing the rifle this is also something that was brought up to question is was he kind of leaving a trail or was he just stupid mm. okay i don't know yeah what do you think oh well, i'm thinking i i can't lie i'm looking over your notes i want to know what what is your bellflower story oh. <laughs> this is the only, that's why I'm pointing over there. I just want to hear that. Okay. So police were checking vehicles one by one, like checking vehicles. It was like at a oh, traffic uh, yeah, stop yeah, or something. Yeah. They'd make each individual stop. They'd check their trunk. They'd check the inside of their car, everything. And this actually reminded me, literally the first week that I moved into my apartment in Bellflower, I loved where I lived so much. But <laughs> my sweet mom, she did not know the place that she was kidding me and it was a very sketchy place it was a super sketchy place we looked so long for you to have a no. place and i would i made the i made <laughs> friends with all the homeless people all it was great like i loved that area but i just remember it was like the second day that i was living mm. there and i was with my roommate and she needed me to take her to the dentist and as we're pulling out we just immediately get stopped by a police and just my street every other street around me is fine but my specific street is like taped off with like caution tape everywhere and the police just come up to us and they're like open up your trunk we got a fugitive we, oh we gotta gosh, check it dude. out i was like oh this is what we're going with and it was great, but I I never told mom because I was too scared. Uh, of probably a wise move. <laughs> I have a similar traffic stop story where we went and got frozen yogurt and I was afraid it was going to melt. So then I'm coming up on a traffic stop. So I do a U-turn in the middle of the road and the cops come pull me over because it turned out it was like a drunk stop. And so it looked like I was evading it. And then the cop comes up and I just said, oh, I'd really rather not have my yogurt melt. And he said, okay, go ahead. It so worked. I know exactly what you went through. 
you know, he fugitive ran. stop. My yogurt's melting. I mean, those police stops are something, huh? He rolled down the window. You're just sitting there with your little ice cream. I was, cone. I, How I, could he ever now, tell when you? We no. talked earlier about like mindfulness because I said, oh, I am getting pulled over right now. And Mackie and your mom were in the car. And I said, you know, what's kind of cool. I am fine with this. And mom's like filming me the whole time. And then he's like, uh, what, are you, what are you doing? I'm like, my bad. I did a, I did a, that because I thought that it was just a traffic stop and I, we got yogurt. <laughs> the yogurt's melting, bro. We got it. Was. Go. He was really nice. Um, if I get when I get pulled over, I pull out the waterworks. <laughs> you do. I pull out the waterworks. Um, I'll come up with like if I get pulled over, I just got broken up with like five minutes before that. That's Every how I time. say it in my head. Yeah. So that's that's how I. You do You were that. a good actress back in the day, right? Back in the day. <laughs> show your true colors. Um, no, but I also did get pulled over with mom one time because they thought I was drunk driving. <laughs> and mom, you know, mom, she has her Snapchat pulled up right away. Yeah, she She's did. recording okay. me getting arrested. And he's like, yeah, we thought you were drunk. And my mom's just like, no, she's just not very good at this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, still not good at that. Okay. So September 12th. Tuesday night, a burglar alarm goes off at a home near Prizer Road in South Coventry Township. This is within their search perimeter of him. So they immediately go to investigate it and they don't find him there. But later that night at around 1 a.m., so this would be September 13th now. This morning. This morning. They had an aircraft, like a drone, flying around and it was utilizing FLIR technology it it was picking up heat signals so it could see like bodies and what's the craziest thing is when I was doing my research for this last night I saw a clip that was a thermal camera and it showed him running through the woods and it was like he's been caught and it was just posted and I totally thought it was a hoax wow yeah totally thought it was a hoax went to bed because everyone's been trying to get viral like TikToks off of this and stuff you know yeah but then I wake up this morning and it was him. So they catch him on this thermal camera. They can just see his little orange blob running through the fields. Yeah. They spotted his heat source moving, but then I guess storms moved in. Man. Horrible timing. I, so he almost gets away again, I would imagine. So what? they left the teams there? I don't understand that Yeah, part. it sounds like the aircraft had to leave and the tactical team, so the people on the ground remained there. Oh, but it, they couldn't see where his yeah. heat source was anymore. Yeah. Wow. So they made this decision to secure the area so they kind of zero in the best they could, and then they just had to hang tight while the storm was there. They just have to wait out the storm. Yeah. The storm finally passes. It's about 8 a.m. this morning. This morning. Wednesday. I'm sitting here seeing clients Sid. yeah yeah i'm taking a shit um okay i was <laughs> he didn't see them coming so they, they had the element of surprise they say they closed in on him he didn't realize they were surrounded but then he did as you do when you're surrounded and it says he began to crawl through the thick underbrush like trying to get away from them holding his giant rifle wow one of the customs and border control teams had a dog with them his name was Yoda. He's so cute and precious. Okay, so they have him circled, right? Yeah. They send Yoda after him, and Yoda attacks him, gives him a nice bite, minor bite wound. Thank God he didn't shoot the dog. I, I didn't, know. I don't for like real, that. Right? No, but Yoda got to get a chomp out of him, though. Yeah, Yo- Yoda got a snack, and they got him. He, yeah, they got him. So they surround him and arrest him and transport him to... The Pennsylvania State Police 
station. He's held for processing in an interview. I wonder if that interview is going to be public. I really want to see that. Same. So then he was transferred to a maximum security prison in Montgomery County, where he's going to continue serving his life sentence. Hopefully. Hopefully. He doesn't escape again. This, yeah, this, I don't even like know how to wrap this one up. This case is really crazy. This guy is like on some X Games shit. Like, I don't understand how he, how did he evade the law for two weeks? I don't know. And I still really don't understand how he stayed within 20 miles, even with the car. So weird. And then at the point when he got the car, they said he was like, what, a mile away when he picked up the car. I just, uh, again, I've, I've never had the experience of running from the police and breaking out of a maximum security prison through razor wire. But I'd assume you run. I would think so. So maybe there's our tip. If you find yourself escaping from a maximum security prison. Run. Don't play do, in the creek beds. Do hide your shit. Eat some fiber. <laughs> Why? Well, because then you wouldn't have to stop and go to the bathroom all the time. Doesn't fiber make you poop? No, oh, that's a good point. It would solidify it. Eat some though. cheese. It, it solidify it. So he's not Eat a lot of cheese. <laughs> Said that was a nice surprise. I mean, saying the the case. <laughs> oh, I was I'm all like, primed. Oh, nice no, I I hate the fact that yeah, the, the the this guy escaped and that he he killed a couple of people. I mean, really, I'm not trying to make light of that, but I came in today after a long day of therapy and ready to talk about Jody Arias, and and you got me. Yeah, she's not safe yet, you guys. We're we're gonna get into Jody Arias next week. Actually, we're not. There's so many things that keep going on. There's another case that we're going to do next week that's not Jody. That okay. Absolutely. Like, enra- like, it's not even enrages me. It makes me sad. Like, it's, yeah, next week's case is going to be a dark one. But I really think that you guys will be interested to hear it. And this one was really interesting. I'm, I was, I'm glad that you went to college so I didn't have to. And you know all those big words. <laughs> and I can just ask you because it is really like seeing your insight is a really cool part of this. I, I feel like. Very kind. Okay. Go follow us uh, wherever people can follow us. You're not going to give me a compliment back? <laughs> That was crazy. Okay. No, I, okay, honestly. Crazy. No, no, let me go lay on the couch and you can be my therapist. I feel awkward receiving compliments. So then I was trying to get rid of my discomfort by saying, uh, go follow us. Bye, everybody. But Sid. Okay, bye. Okay. You go. know, now it feels forced, right? No, I always, I always get uncomfortable receiving compliments. I like can't conceptualize, like I can't just like accept it at all. I'm always just like thinking about what my reaction to it's at least talked about this yeah before. we have yeah but uh in reality you know that this is like one of my favorite things in the world to do and so i appreciate you my wonderful daughter for putting this case together and then uh the response and i can honestly say this the response has been kind of overwhelming and uh, not overwhelming it's been really good i showed you the uh the numbers of the episodes so far and it's it's pretty cool right look at you don't no! know how to do it okay yeah yeah, darn yeah. if you do, darn if you don't. I don't say anything. You're like, what? And then don't. I say, you're awesome. And then you just Can sit we? There. Darn if you do, darn, darn if you don't. Darn if you do. <laughs> we really don't know how to end these. We really don't. <laughs> I, I Sometimes when people leave my office, I always say I need some catchphrase like, so go get them. You know, that, I don't do you that. You can one. do better than that. Okay. Um, See, no, I just know whatever comes out of our mouths is going to be embarrassing and we're going to regret it. What, okay, I mean, good when we say. Uh, when I started being a woman, what if I just do this? What if I go? Uh, 
Bye, Sid. <laughs> Bye, Dad. Why did I think you were just going to, like, just fart in silence and oh, not even say anything? I've thought about right. that, and I don't know. I don't know if because I've got 500 podcasts with my virtual couch, waking up to narcissism, all that stuff, and I've never, because you know how I don't actually break wind. You break more wind than a cow. Okay, I was waiting for something that breaks a lot of wind. They probably do. You break more wind than a windmill. Wow. All right, the dad jokes are coming out. Let's wrap this up. Uh, have a good my day. My stepladder left because my... No, I have a stepladder because my real ladder left when I was a kid. I'm doing, what? I'm doing dad jokes. Wait, what? I have a stepladder. I have a stepladder because my, my real ladder. ladder left when I was a kid. Oh, I thought there was like, okay, no. I get it. It's just stupid. My friend really wanted me to have his EpiPen because he seemed really, uh... I'm going to have to edit all of this out. Okay. Bye, Sid. Wait, what, what joke were you going to do out of an EpiPen? It's a really funny one, actually. Nope, he's looking it up. Hey. Goodbye, guys. <laughs> Bye-bye.